Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. I don't know about you guys. It's one of the most challenging disciplines, I think, for Christians is the whole concept of prayer. Uh, I don't know about you, but there are times where I get kind of distracted. Do you get distracted during your prayers? Jesus, I just thank you. And right off, all of a sudden, there's a squirrel that goes by. That squirrel is work. That squirrel is kids. That squirrel is the grocery list. That squirrel is something else. That squirrel is worry. That squirrel, all of a sudden, God, I believe in you. Oh, there's a show coming on. You know, whatever. It's just crazy stuff that gets distracting in prayer. And, and quite often, we, we get weary in prayer. I don't know about you. I was talking to somebody this morning, and they're saying, I get tired praying sometimes because I'm not seeing what I'm praying about come to reality. And this morning, I want to talk about that. We've been in this series called Summer Stories and talking about parables, the parables of Jesus, the stories that he told that would help us understand how the kingdom works. Many of the parables start with the kingdom of heaven is like. Today's parable doesn't say that. But there's a context to this parable that will make a lot of sense. The, the whole idea behind the entire series that we've been talking about is Jesus desired to paint a picture of the way heaven works by telling parables. It's our role to have tender hearts, open eyes, and listening ears to understand what Jesus wants us to know about how heaven works while here on this earth. It's cool that we can experience heaven now. His spirit's here. His, his reality of miracle-working power is here. His love and grace is here. Everything that even lives in us because Jesus lives in us. And so there's no reason we can't live like heaven is, except for the fact that in heaven there's no sin, in heaven there's no uh, disobedience. In heaven, it's a, an amazing place. We live in a, in a, in, on the earth where we get to bring heaven to earth. And so we can experience that. So we need to understand how heaven works. And that's the purpose of the parables. Have you ever met up with someone who has bulldog tenacity? Have you ever heard of that term, bulldog tenacity? That's when the bulldog gets a hold of you and won't let go. I think I've told you about my story about six pit bulls attacking me. And that's why I screamed like a girl. When they attacked me, one got a hold of my leg and wouldn't let go. And uh, I think it was only by the grace of God. I don't remember. I had a pipe with me, and I remember swinging that pipe as fast as I can. Maybe I caught that dog right on the nose, but I just kind of believed that there was an angel there going, (laughs) and opened the mouth of that dog, and then I ran. And then there was an angel probably between me and the dogs that were like, nope, you're not getting him. Nope, you're not getting him. And I was running towards my wife and newborn daughter, and I said, get in the house, get in the house. But I, I was convinced that I was going to die. I remember thinking in my head, this is going to be an awful way to die, being pulled apart by these six dogs. And to this day, I don't care if you tell me your pit bulls nice. They're nice little puppies. They are of the devil, okay? And so <clears throat> I can't help it. I get around a pit bull, and all of a sudden my body just goes, Rrr. Smell that fear, and they might be the nicest dogs, but they turn into the devil right then and there. 
bulldog tenacity. There's no quit. There's no quit. I love that, that, that personality trait in people that you would define as they have bulldog tenacity because there's just no quit. One of the things, if you tell my wife you can't find something on Facebook or in a store or you can't find this one item, she'll find it. She has bulldog tenacity. In a lot of other areas, by the way, just being married to me, she has bulldog tenacity. The bulldog won't let go. It won't quit. Annoying as all get out. Sometimes people with bulldog tenacity just keep saying, well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? What do you think? Let's do that. Let's do this. Let's do this. And they just keep coming at you with questions and ideas and thoughts. And they just won't quit. And they won't give up on an idea that they have. And in their opinion, most bulldog tenacity people believe that they have the right answers. Which is okay. And they usually never stop until they get what they want. So you have to be careful when leading bulldog tenacity people. I have to be clear and all those kinds of things. But bull, bulldogs, here's the unique thing about a bulldog. Have you ever wondered what a dog's going to do if they catch the car? They chase the car. What are they going to do when they get the car? They're going to get in and drive? You know, it's, it's one of those crazy things. But they believe something's going to happen. They have crazy faith in the idea that if I catch this car... Something unique is going to happen. Um, I don't know. I've never seen one catch one. I've seen them catch people. That's a nasty experience. The truth is it takes faith to hold on because when you're holding on, you believe that something is going to happen as long as you hold on. Christians today, people in today's world are letting go. They're letting go because they don't have the hope. They don't see the answer. They don't have the answer to the prayer. They've been praying and they, they're, they're tired of praying. They're, they're weary of praying. They're, they're like, God, when are you going to show up? When are you going to do this thing? When are you going to answer this prayer? And they give up. And Jesus addresses this idea that the people who hold on are the people who remain in faith. You want to hold on. There's one thing that you don't want to get lost in, is, or, or, or you want to hold on to, is the simple idea that I cannot lose faith. We live in a world today. I, I read a, a note this morning on, on uh, I think it was Facebook, and uh, it was a, a note from a guy who said there are home churches in Afghanistan right now. You understand what's happening in Afghanistan. The Taliban are coming in. The Taliban don't believe in Jesus. The Taliban see Christianity as an enemy. And apparently the Taliban is sending home churches in Kabul and other communities that the Taliban know where these home churches are. And they're coming after them. You know what the comment was? This breaks my heart. The comment was, is that they knew that those Afghan Christians would rather be martyred than give up their faith. And that likely they will die in the coming weeks because of the Taliban. These Afghan Christians are going to hold on 
to their faith. They may be praying, God, save us. God, don't let this happen. But they're willing to lose their heads for the sake of Christ. How powerful is that? How amazing is that? Do you know that a persecuted church has always grown throughout history? That any time a church and church people have, have been persecuted, the church grows because that martyrdom is a witness and a testimony of the power of God. People who do not let go of their faith, who continue to believe even when they lose their last breath at the hands of the enemies. Well, I want to read a story to you. In just a minute, we'll look at a parable, but I'm going to read a passage of Scripture that gives context to this parable. It won't be on the screen, so I need you to listen carefully. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Once again, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. In other words, he's saying that God lives in us. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. But you will not see it. Men will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end, of, one end, of, uh, one end to the other. But, the first, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day of the Son of Man. On that day, no one who is on the roof of his house with his goods inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife? Lot's wife looked back. She turned into a pillar of salt. She looked back. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Jesus sets up this parable by telling this this story or this idea about how the end of the world is going to come. And the end of the world is going to come like a flash of lightning. The end is going to come when Jesus raptures his people and takes the believer home and leaves the unbeliever here. We don't know when that day will be. The the Lord is clear that anybody who's trying to predict that day is a heretic. There's just no reason to even try and estimate when Jesus is coming back. We don't know when that will be. But we do know that the season of that day will be like the day of Noah or the day of Lot. 
Those are interesting days because those days are the days that God was ticked. So ticked that he would destroy the entire world. So ticked in the days of Noah that he would, get, he would wipe out the entire world except for Noah's family and a whole bunch of animals. He was so ticked at Sodom and Gomorrah that when Lot left because of Abraham's prayer that said, will you just save just a few, just a few, and they got down to just Lot. And Lot left and God rained down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. It says that so it will be on the day of the Son of Man. And then he makes clear that there will be believer and unbeliever, that God will take the believer and leave the unbeliever. And the vultures at the end are the evil people, the people that make life difficult, the people that make life hard. And there will be those that search out for the vulnerable. And then he tells this story. And then he tells this story. It, and so we, we have to see this story in the context of this passage. Uh, too often this passage has been preached on and it's been used to, to say we need to annoy God. And you'll understand why in just a minute. I'm going to read the whole story and then we'll come back and talk about it in just a little bit. Luke 18.1 says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Don't ever forget those words. We should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what, <clears throat> what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. She must have been one bad woman. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, see that they get justice and quickly however when the son of man comes listen this is the key right here will he find faith on the earth will he find people who have not given up will he find people who have not stopped praying will he find people who are continuing Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, whatever it takes, will he find people who have placed their faith in an almighty God? That's the big question today. That's the big question. Where are we as a church? Where are we as individuals? Are we continuing to pray or have we weakened under the pressure or under the lack of the answer that we thought God would bring. And he hasn't quite brought it yet. And so we've given up. We've said, okay, the adversary can have his way. The, the evil one can have his way. The, 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 the darkness can have its way instead of praying that God would intervene and bring justice to our world. What is that justice? 
the salvation of man, the redemption of humanity, and the day of judgment when he will judge all of us for how we chose to believe and how we chose to accept or reject Jesus. That's the way it's going to work. That's the way it's going to come down to. So let's go back and look at this in a little bit more detail. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. We should always pray. We should never give up. What are we praying about? What are we praying about? This is not about um, bugging God until God does what we want. That's the difference in the idea of prayer. We have to get to the understanding that prayer is not about what we want. It's understanding and discovering what God wants. Because when we begin to pray and we pray what God wants, why wouldn't he answer that prayer? When we understand that he wants all men to come to salvation, when we understand that he wants everyone to understand who he is, then we start praying the will of God. Then we start praying the purpose and plan of God. Then we start praying the things that God wants. And we need to understand that the number one thing God wants is the salvation of others. How often do we pray and intercede for the lives of those that we know don't know Jesus? In October, the first, all of October and the first week of uh, November, we're going to have 40 days of prayer and fasting. And I believe those 40 days are going to set up just a, a great move of God and continue to move uh, our hearts and the hearts of our community as we fast and pray for our community, for those that we know don't know Jesus, for the needs of our community, for the ministry of this church. We're going to believe that God is going to move powerfully in that period of time as well as continue. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. Why do we give up on prayer? Why do we give up on the idea that um, <clears throat> prayer is, is tiring or weary? It's because we lose our, our confidence that God knows what he's doing. We lose our confidence that God will come through in the promises that he's made. The interesting thing is we don't have his perspective in everything that we pray. We might be praying God's will, absolutely. Understand, when we pray for the salvation of man, all we can pray for is that God gets involved in their lives, but still, it's their choice. Still, it's their choice. What's the burden on us to pray? When we pray, we offload the burden on us, and we begin to put the burden on God. Then God moves he puts people in people's lives. He interferes with their circumstance. He might create a little bit of chaos in their heart. Hopefully all turning them somehow to God. But we have to pray. And we have to pray in faith that God is going to do something unique and powerful. Why should we always pray? Because we're always communicating to God, I believe in you. I believe in you. And we have to stop there and trust there and believe there and, and know that God wants to move. God wants to do uh, everything that, not everything that we ask, because sometimes we're asking for ourselves. 
By the way, I'm convinced that one of the reasons that we don't see in America especially God move like he does in many other places of the world is because we've made God's miracles a show rather than a glorification. God knows that if he starts doing miracles, it becomes about the person that's the instrument of the miracle rather than God doing the miracle. It's happened over and over and over again in, in, in the American uh, church. And, and people who are powerfully used by God become the object of the miracle rather than God being the object of the miracle. Is that making sense? And when we pray, when we pray for something, when we pray for a miracle, we need to believe only one thing, God is glorified. If you read through the book of Acts and you see the miracles that happen in the book of Acts... Almost every miracle leads to the salvation of men. Why? Because God gets the glory, not man. And so whether it's you or me or whoever is praying for someone to receive a miracle, it should never come back on the person praying. It should always go to, the, to God who's doing the healing, who's doing the miracle, who's doing the deliverance. Who's, all that goes for the glory of God. I think I've said this before, but I was told by an old faithful guy, Earl Gray, not the T. He leaned over to me in a leadership meeting one time and he said, Ricardo, you're a young, you're a young man learning ministry. He said, never share God's glory. Never share God's glory. And from that day on, I was like, Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. God wants us to pray all the time. It says, With all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds also. Both of those passages of Scripture emphasize the importance of always praying. Always offloading the burden. Always giving the responsibility to God. I think too often we believe that it's up to us to make God's hand move. It's not. It's only up to us to offer his thing, and then it's God's burden. It's God's. I get up here every weekend, and I realize that you, you may not remember everything that the sermon says or the, or the word of God says, but hopefully and prayerfully, as, God's honor his, as God honors his word, your life, my life will be changed. That's a faith statement. It's, I can only do what I can do, and then God's got to do the rest. And so we all act in faith. Amen? We all do what God's called us to do. And when we do that, we can see great things happen. And he says, pray. Pray about everything. Always pray. What I've learned, and I've gotten off, I used to, when I grew up in, as a young Christian, I heard all these messages and sermons that, you know, Martin Luther would get up at Three o'clock in the morning, he'd pray till 10 o'clock in, in the morning, and then he'd have the rest of the day. And he couldn't do anything for the rest of the day unless he did all that. I'm like, I can't do that. And I would always feel guilty. Oh, I'm not a prayer like Martin Luther. And what, I, what I have learned is what God really wants from us. 
He appreciates that kind of prayer. Martin Luther was a very powerful preacher. But what he really wants from us is to never disconnect. Always be in prayer. Always be seeking his heart, his voice, his, his presence, the power. Everything, every step I take, I, I hope and pray that I'm connected, not disconnected from God. And that's a constant communication. That's praying about everything. It's praying. I, I'm not saying I pray about brushing my teeth. Lord, should I brush my teeth today? Should I double up? I forgot yesterday, God. Should I? No, that's, that's crazy stuff. But there's, you, you understand what I'm saying? We're constantly disconnected, I'm, I'm constantly connected. And when we are constantly connected, we're praying constantly. Always listening, hoping. And so he says that this story is about never giving up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was always, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And there's some interesting things here. First of all, the judge doesn't care. So this obviously is not trying to identify the judge as God. Let's make that clear. In this story, the judge isn't representative of God. In fact, what, the, the, what Jesus is trying to do is saying, look, if an unjust God can do something... Can you imagine what a just God can do? It's a motivation for prayer. It's, it's like if, if an unjust God can get tired of the request, can you imagine what a just God can do? And what's interesting about this widow, and this is where you and I come in. This widow is a, it, it, it's interesting. She's alone. She's legally not allowed to talk to the judge. She's not allowed in court. Women don't go to court in the Bible. And so she doesn't have an advocate, which would normally be her husband. And, that, and, and as a result, normally what you would do is you would bribe somebody to let you in court. Even if you had a husband, you would still bribe, and she doesn't have the money. So she's standing outside going, hey, bugging this judge constantly wherever he's going. She's stalking him. And just bugging him and bugging him. And she's desperate to get some help, some justice for the injustice that's being done to her. It's not described what that injustice is. She's likely being abused. She's likely being dis, uh, uh, disregarded as even a, a worthy citizen. And she's being mistreated. She's desperate. And when we, are, uh, uh, when we realize what kind of world we live in, we must become desperate. Listen, this world is, and, and I'm, I know that the, the pulpit is supposed to be a place of hope, and it will be. But let me just say this. The world isn't going to get any better. Because what we just read in, verse seven, in, in chapter 17, as in the days of Noah, as in the days of Lot, as in the days of the Son of Man, it will be. There's going to be a day where God gets fed up with the way the world is. And it's that day that he comes back to take the believer home. And the rapture happens. And we, that is hopeful. That is a good thing. But until that day, listen, until that day, it's not happening. And we need to be desperate for the unbeliever. We need to be desperate even for ourselves. But most importantly, for those that do not believe because they will be left behind. 
And that's not the plan. That's not the desire. That's not the hope for our world today. Our hope and our mission is to reach those who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. To enter into their journeys and, and invite them in to a relationship with Jesus. We live in an unfair world. Unfair things happen to good people. Unfair things are happening to people that do not know Jesus Christ. And unfair things are happening to those that do know Jesus Christ. We need to be desperate in prayer and hopeful for the people that we relate to. And that is who this widow represents. In verse 4 it says, For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or, or, or care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. The judge was acting out of fear, not, not compassion. That's not our God, right? That's not the God that... that but if an unjust judge can do this, can't our just God, can't our compassionate God, can't our loving God hear our prayers and answer them if we do not give up? He wants to see faith. 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. He's not slow, as some understand slowness. He's patient. He wants everyone to come to Christ. He wants you and me to never give up praying and asking him to save our loved ones, to bring hope to our world, to bring redemption to the hearts of those that are lost, to see some great things happen, and most importantly, to bring him glory in everything that we do. Verse 6, And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust, ju unjust judge says. And will not God, this is where he makes the comparison, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And the answer is no. If we will persist, if we will never give up, if we will always put our hearts out before God and say, God, this is what I know you want. This is what I know you desire for my loved ones to come to Jesus, to, for our, our loved ones and our neighbors and our friends, grocery clerks, everybody. We have to keep praying like that and never giving up, never giving up. God is more caring than an unjust judge. God is free access. We have complete access to God. This widow didn't have access. And God is making this comparison that if she who didn't have access was able to accomplish something, can you imagine what we who have full access to the Almighty God, the creator of the universe, if we don't give up, if we don't give up, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. We need to pray for a just God to redeem unsaved souls. However, when the Son of Man comes, kind of ends it with a downer. Will he find faith on the earth? It's a little bit of an indictment of the human condition when we grow weak and weary of doing the thing that God wants us to do. 
I pray that God will find faith in me. I pray that God will find faith in you and find faith in Journey Church Ventura, that he will not come and find a church that has grown weary in praying and asking him to do what we, we know he wants to do, which is save souls. I know he wants to reach this community for Christ. I know he wants us to serve this community. I know he wants us to glorify him in this community. I know he wants to stand out in this community, not because of anything we So I'm asking today that you will consider being found in faith, that you will persist in prayer, that you will keep your faith in God. I realize you're tired of praying. I realize that you may have prayed, we may have prayed for revival and for different ways that God is, is we, we pray for an awakening, we pray for a revival, but it's no time to give up. And so what I'm gonna ask you to do is with this prayer card, I'm gonna ask you to write three things down. Whatever they are, I just pray, I'll ask you to make sure that you know with confidence that that's not just your wish list. This is not a wish list. This is not to be something, God, make me rich. God, give me a, you know, a, a special car. Or any, that, Unless you know that God wants you to have a special car, don't put it on here. If you know he does, go ahead and put it on here. God, give me a, a new PS5 or 15 or whatever it is at this point in time. What is it? PS4? can't remember what number we're at right now <laughs> unless you know that's what God wants so if you have to read your Bible and find out what God wants and put a passage of scripture there we know he wants soul saved we know he wants to bless his church and I'm not talking about journey church venture I'm talking about you and me and maybe there's a blessing that God wants to bring to your life or you know you, he, want, you, he wants to bring to your life and you're going to start praying. But this card is going to represent something that you constantly pray for and you will not stop until it happens. Will you believe me for that? Will you believe for that? Will you put your faith in God? And we will not stop praying until God comes back and he says, I got it. I found people of faith. I found people that would not give up. I found people with bulldog tenacity in it and they would not let go. They caught the car and they will not let go. You may not know what to do when you get the car. You may not know what to do when he answers your prayer. But it'll be exciting to see God work a miracle. I believe this passage of scripture is not just about being annoying to God. It's about having faith in him. It's about having faith that God will make a difference in the area of life that you believe he wants to make a change in. Let's pray. God, I was reminded again of the story of my grandma praying telling me one morning she would never stop praying for me until I came to you. I came to you and two weeks later she passed. And 
Lord, I believe that somehow you just kept her heart beating so that she would pray, so that she would keep plowing the ground of my heart, and Lord, that she would continue to believe in you for my salvation. And I'm a product of persistent prayer. I'm a product of bulldog tenacity. I'm a product of faith in you, God, and I thank you for that. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would save my loved ones, that you would save those that are close to me, my family members, my friends, my coworkers, my <clears throat> the people that I serve in this community, Lord. I pray for their salvation because I know without question you want to see them saved. And I pray, Father, right now for our church that you would enable us to be a church that could be found with faith that we have not given up, that we have, with bulldog tenacity, given ourselves to the cause of, of Christ and to pray accordingly. Lord, I pray for every heart in this room that as we write our thoughts on these cards, that they would be your thoughts, that they would be your desires, that they would be your uh, uh, will for this community and for our families and friends, Lord, and that we would see a great revival of answered prayer in the name of Jesus. I pray for that, God, right now. I pray that we would be this persistent widow, that we would not, we're not here just to annoy you, God. We're here to put our faith in you. We're here to understand that you are not an unjust judge. You are a just God. You are a compassionate God, and we have access to you, and we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray right now that you help us to pray like never before. God, I pray for each person in this room that our burden would grow to pray your will. As you taught us to pray, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As you prayed in that garden, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Father, may we not pray our wish list, but may we pray your will list. And we thank you and praise you for that. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're online and you've been clicking in and you clicked into this moment and, and, or, or this message and you've realized someone has been persistently praying for you. And today is the day where you have an opportunity to see that prayer answered by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. How do you do that? You say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I believe that you were raised from the dead. And if those two statements are truly part of your heart, then you commit to follow him for the rest of your life. And the Bible says you will be saved. If that's you, I want to pray this prayer. Pray this simple prayer. Jesus, I accept your forgiveness. I ask that you forgive me of my sin. And I accept that forgiveness of my sin right now. And today, for the very first time in my life, I am perfectly clean and forgiven of all the mistakes I've made in my life. Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus, I believe that you were raised from the dead, and for that reason, I have the hope of eternal life with you. And I thank you for that, and I accept that, and I confess that to be true. And today, I commit to follow you for the rest of And I thank you for saving my soul pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com 
and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.